0: It's your presence, Lord. It's your presence. It's your presence, Lord. I'm going to say something. I'm going to just go ahead and say it. And there may be some who will hear this and think this is heresy. It's not heresy. It's the truth, I believe. The sense of the presence of the Lord is what our hearts really long. There are some folks who have checked out on church because they went into a church building or a church gathering and they didn't sense the presence of the Lord. You know, church can wear you out. A church can break your heart. Jesus doesn't do those things. So there, there are some folks that I'm pretty sure are tuning in online this morning. You hadn't checked out on Jesus, but you may have checked out on the church. You go with his presence. You go with his presence. Now, what I mean by that is it may be a while before you come back to a church You're getting healed from being in church. (laughs) You go with his presence. Because when there is the sense of the presence of the king, anything can happen in that place. But when it's just building and it's just crowds and it's just music and it's just parking lots and it's just programs, there there could be no sense of the presence of the real Jesus. So you may have your pajamas on right now and finishing up that cup of coffee while others of us are got on our Sunday go to meet and close and we came to church. But I pray that you're here in this room this morning because it's not a ritual and it's not something you have to do. It's a place you want to be, you know? Because, because you, know, you know it's not perfect people that make up the true church. It's a perfect Savior who invites imperfect people to be a part of a church. You go with his presence. If his presence is sitting under a mesquite tree with a 12-gauge shotgun waiting for doves to fly by, well, you need to wait for the season. It's not dove season. Yet. Or you you it's it's in a bass boat with a with, with a rod, or it's It's early in the morning out in your backyard or late in the evening by yourself in your bedroom. You go with his presence. You go with his presence. In time, in time after you've been healed up from some wounds that may have happened in the place called the church, he may take you back to a place where believers gather. But I can tell you this, they won't be able to do to you what happened to you before when the church wounded you and broke your heart because you will have a different perspective on what the church really is the church is a group of sinners imperfect messed up but in the process of getting better by the work of the spirit but the goal is to know jesus to know jesus to know i, I don't i don't it doesn't matter What your background, it doesn't matter if you were Catholic, Pentecostal, Mormon, you know, uh, uh, Hindu. It doesn't matter the, the, the background, but what matters in the present moment is the sense of the presence of the living Jesus. And knowing that he loves you wherever you are, whatever's been going on, he cares about you. And he's out to heal your broken heart. He's out to, to mend the sadness and the sorrows in your soul. He's out to bring a joy to a life that if we, if, we, if we let the world just parasite things out of us, it will do that. But Jesus is the one who is the life giver. He cares about you. He makes all things new. There's nothing that is impossible with him. So we rally around Jesus, imperfect sinners needy questions all those things that we are but we we look to him to be our to be our answer okay okay so I I needed to get that off my chest this morning I I just I just feel like there are folks that have checked out on church but haven't checked out on Jesus and that's why a bunch of you are online with us this morning wherever you may be and we welcome you we welcome you um, and I'm hoping that you're able to tell this is not a perfect place. We look to a perfect Savior, but, but um, this, we're not, this isn't a place made up of perfect people. But we're finding in Him hope. Amen. We're finding in Jesus hope. All right, I want you to say two words with me. Two words with me. I'm talking about prayer. I want to mention these two things will, will help with your prayer life. First word is simplify, simplify, intensify, intensify. I want to talk to you about what can simplify your praying and what can intensify your praying. We're in this 40-day prayer challenge, and there are folks linking up with this and connected with this all across our, our city, San Antonio, and our region, but also just, just all over the place, and it, it's been the beatenest thing to get reports back from many of you here in the room and those who are part of our streaming family letting us know what it is that you're you're praying for, praying about, uh, but then also some breakthroughs that are coming and some answers to prayer, and your faith is being encouraged and, and um, growing in your love for for other brothers and sisters in Christ who are knitting up with you in your prayer circle, but also an intensifying of of, of just the sense that God's up to something. You know, we in the early service we had all kinds of uh, chaos. I uh, evidently going with, with our, our our streaming, trying to get out Facebook and so forth, and and um, you know it was it was freaking out. I don't understand how all that stuff works, but but they ended up having to send a bunch of the Facebook folks over to our our website broadcast that actually is a little, it's a little better technically and so forth. But, but the, the only answer that could be given to, for what was going on is that it's just, it's just, it's just a spiritual warfare. It, it's just an attack. Listen, if the, the devil can get the church to sing in and he doesn't worry about it. The, the devil can get the church to come into programs and he's not all that bothered. The devil can get folks coming to bow and being impressed with a preacher, and he knows that's only limited in its effect. But when he understands that the church has started to pray in the name of Jesus, he and his plans are in trouble. The family lines that he has controlled are under attack through prayers in the name of Jesus and captives are going to be set free and a new day is coming to entire families. They're companies that have known nothing but, but junk and debauchery and selfishness and, and political wranglings within the, within the company when, and, and, and no sense of the presence of the Lord anywhere. And God is mocked. But when those companies start getting prayed for, I'm not talking about prayer in general. I'm talking about prayer in the name that is above every other name. I'm talking about prayer in the name of the one who has all authority in heaven and on earth and the ability to impose what is his will when it is time for it to be done. When folks begin to pray in the name of Jesus and the targets are specific, And their determination is relentless. Satan's grip is threatened and he hates that and he'll come pushing back. But he loses. We read the last chapter in the book and the devil loses and Jesus wins forever. Now that's, that's that's where we're headed this morning. And let me come back to those two words. Those two words. Simplify and intensify, simplifying your praying and intensifying your praying. Go with me to the book of Philippians, Philippians chapter 2, and these words that Paul wrote. I want you to know that these are in your Bible. This, this, is, going to, this is going to be uh, foundational to the rest of what we're saying this morning. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5. Paul writes, have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, clung to, at all costs, I've got to keep my position, but he emptied himself. Taking the form of a bondservant, a slave, and being made in the likeness of men. He wasn't a man. He had to be made into a man. Well, what was he? He was God. He was God. He's greater than Mary, his earthly mother, because he existed before Mary. He predated Mary. Wonderful woman, wonderful teenager, devoted to the Lord. But Jesus Christ became a baby. He had been God before. He became a baby in her womb and was born of her. He emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, being made in the likeness of men. That's, that's his conception. That's his birth through Mary. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself even further. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death Even death on a cross. He was God who became man. And as he became man, he humbled himself to the level of a servant. But then at the level of a servant, even to the point of obeying his father's will to the point of death and the death on a Roman cross. But then it says in verse 9, Therefore, Anytime you see therefore in the Bible, you need to look up above it and see what it's there for. It's tying the former to the current. Therefore, on the basis of the depth of his humility, on the basis of what he gave up and then became, what he emptied himself of in order to do, therefore also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. That's hell. Every knee should bow, those who are in heaven, they confess Jesus as Lord on earth. It is the will of God that every tongue would confess that the greatest name of all names is the name of Jesus and under the earth. That speaks of hell. The greatest name even in hell would be the name of Jesus and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Simplify and intensify your prayer. How to simplify and how to intensify your prayer. And can I say it one more time? Here's how to simplify and intensify your prayer. You hold on to and you speak regularly the name Jesus, Jesus. If you have your prayer list, your prayer circle list of names and list of situations and even list of dreams, and you can take that list and you can put that in your hand, you may not know how to pray for everything that's there. Some situations you may not know how they could be solved. Some people, you may not know what the Lord may have to do to bring them to the place where they need to be with Him. There may be a dream that, that's big in your heart, and it's so big at times you've almost been afraid to think of it because it seems so impossible that it could, it, it must be somebody else that you're dreaming about because it seems so humanly impossible for you. Doesn't matter whether it's a dream or whether it's a situation or whether it's a soul, you speak over and you speak into every one of those items the name Jesus. 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 You're owning the situation. You're, you're holding on to the soul. You're, you're gripping that dream in your heart, but as you hold those things, the cry of your heart is, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, what you want. Jesus, when you want it. Jesus, how you want it. Jesus, not my will. Jesus, not their will, but Jesus, your will be done. Jesus, 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 Jesus. You don't have to speak it out loud, though it's not a wrong thing to speak out loud. You can sit there in a classroom. You can sit there in a locker room. You can be there in a boardroom. You can be wherever you can be you are, wherever you're placed, wherever you're situated. And all kinds of craziness and godlessness and junk may be going on around. But in your heart back up to heaven, you're speaking the name that is above every other name, the name that it is God's will that every tongue should confess. That tongue right now may be cussing. That tongue right now may be blaspheming him. That tongue right now may be after all other sorts of things. But every tongue, God has a will. God has a declaration that every tongue would confess. And it is that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So you sit there and you listen to a board president cuss his name. You sit there and listen to a coach cuss his name. You sit there and listen to whatever may be going on. They cuss his name, but you sit there and you are praising his name. Jesus, 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 Jesus I speak your name <laughs> into that man's life right now. I speak your name, Jesus, into and over that situation that I'm in the middle of that I'm facing. Okay, so now that you've expressed such interest in that theme, (laughs) let's just move a little farther. Why? Why will it simplify our praying? Why will it intensify our pray? It is because, as we have just read, that there is no other name anywhere in the universe that has even one ounce of the authority of the name of Jesus. That's why the most prevented name in the school system the most prevented names for the politically correct, The the most offensive name, the most offensive name is the name Jesus because of its authority, because of who it represents. And when we refuse the lie of Satan scheming against the name of Jesus. And he knows it is fruitless. He knows his time is coming. But he can tell a lie just like it's the truth, and he gets a bunch of folks to believe in. But when we renounce the lie of Satan, and we receive the truth of the gospel that is ours in Christ, and we receive and hold on to what is said of Jesus in the Scripture, We ourselves are being positioned in a place of authority, in a place of commanding attention. I can promise you, every demon in the room pays attention when you speak the name Jesus. Now, you can say Baptist, you can say Catholic, you can say church. You can say American. You can say Republican, Democrat, Independent, and the devil just goes to sleep over all of it. But you speak the name Jesus, and the demon's ears perk up. You speak the name Jesus, and the angels' hearts light up. You speak the name Jesus, and heaven comes to attention. You speak the name Jesus, and hell goes, oh, brother, oh, no, we got to stop that. Anything but that name you march yourself into wherever it seems to be a godless environment. You march yourself into a hopeless environment. You march yourself into wherever it may be that the Lord assigns you. And you hold on to the name that is above every name. And you confess that name. You declare that name. It may not be publicly, outwardly, audibly expressed all the time. But you can sit where you sit, looking into the faces of the ones who seem to have earthly authority all at their grip right now, over you and other people, speak the name of Jesus and speak the name of Jesus, speak the name of Jesus over and into people, over and into situations, over and into dreams and wishes and longings. I want you to find the Gospel of John. Leave Philippians. Find the Gospel of John, chapter 1. Gospel of John, chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, code name for Jesus. The Word here is the word logos. It means the full revelation. Of God to man is in Jesus, not just a book, but the whole set of books that would declare God's. Jesus would say of Himself in Revelation one, "I am the Alpha, and I am the Omega." That's the first letter of the Greek alphabet, the last letter of the Greek alphabet. He is also spoken of as the Word in John 1. So he's the word, and he's every letter of the alphabet. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out where he's going with that truth. Every word, everything that God wants to say to man is spelled out in the person of Jesus Christ. Every word, as well as the composite of all of the words, Jesus is Down to the letter, he's final. Down to the verbs, he's final. The nouns, he's final. Throughout the whole book and whole system of books, he is the Word, Jesus. Jesus, stay with me. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus did not just come into being when he was born of Mary. He had to humble himself, empty himself of his omnipotence, of his omniscience, of all of the omnis that describe the unlimited God. He limited himself. He gave those things up and took upon the form of a baby so that he could be born as a man because in order for the sins of mankind to be forgiven, blood had to be spilt, why did Jesus have to come as a man? Because without the shedding of blood there is no covering for sin. All the way through the Old Testament there were the there were the, the doves that were killed and the lambs that were killed and the oxen that were killed and 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 the goats that were killed. All of that was a foreshadowing, all of that was a statement of the truth. Until blood is shed sins are not forgiven. But they spoke of the coming of Jesus, who John the Baptist, when he saw him coming, you remember that statement, behold, the Lamb of God, who does what? Takes away the sins of the world. Jesus had to become a man in order for blood to be formed within his body so that when he was crucified... The blood would be poured out, and as we put our faith and trust in what Jesus did on the cross, our sins are forgiven. Our sins are washed away. Our sins are gone. Scripture goes on to say that all things came into being by him, by means of Jesus, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. I'm talking to you about how to simplify your praying and how to intensify your praying by the use of the name of Jesus. Here John says, all things came into being by Jesus. Who was it in Genesis chapter 1 who said, let there be and things happen? It was not God in general. It was Jesus Christ in particular. That's what the New Testament says about Genesis. You you let the whole Bible interpret the scripture. This is a looking back on what was going on in Genesis 1 when there was nothing. The world was formless and void. And then God stepped forth and created. Who did that? Who did that? It was Jesus way before Bethlehem and way before Mary, but it was Jesus the Christ who created the world goes on to say, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. All right, he, he, he comes at it from both directions. He's saying, everything that has been created was created by Jesus. And then he flips the coin, and it's the same coin, just the different side. He says, and nothing has come into being that has come into being apart from Jesus Christ. Simplify and intensify. Simplify and intensify. Just stay with me. Or leave John chapter 1. Find the book of Colossians. Colossians. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 16. Paul writes, For by Jesus, by means of Jesus, Through the agency of Jesus, all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created by him, and all things have been created. Look at that last part, for him. What what part of all things do we not get? Well, that old so and so, that old sorry so and so, that old knuckle headed, that old, that, 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 they sure, they sure don't fit. They do too. All things have been created by him and for him. There is not a human on the earth now or a human who has existed prior to this time, or a human who will be born after this moment, who has not been created by Jesus Christ. Let that in, 18 inches, church, and it begins to revolutionize further the understanding of why the name Jesus has no match. All things were created by him, and all things were created for him. All things were created for him. Here, here's where we're going. You're praying for somebody. At this point in time, they're a million miles away from God maybe. Or their hearts have been broken. Through. Maybe it was the church. Maybe it was something that happened to them circumstantially. But when you speak the name of Jesus... Over that person and into that person's life, you are speaking the name of the one who created that person. You are speaking further the name of the one who created that person for himself. There is no greater name, there is no higher name than the name Jesus. He has that name, not only because he humbled himself, he was restored to the place of a full authority as the Father honored him. But he has the position tied to that name because he's the creator of everything you see. And all the things we don't see, but they're reality. (laughs) So the Lord has a right to every human that he ever created. The Lord has a right to every living creation, every living thing that he created for his own purposes. The devil steals. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Satan can't create anything. There's only one creator. He created for his honor, for his glory, for his purpose. Satan is a thief. But Jesus the Christ comes as a Savior to rescue the ones whom the devil has stolen. You say, Well, they don't want to be rescued. But what if Jesus wants to rescue them? They don't want anything to do with God. But what if God wants something to do with them? You say, Well, I, I just I think we need to wait till they till they say they're ready. Well, try that on the on Saul the, you know the, the hard-hearted persecuting the church. Nowhere does it say Jesus tiptoed up, kind of threw his hat in the door. Paul, this is Jesus. Saul, this is Jesus. I'd like to spend some time with you to see whether his hat comes flying back out the kitchen door. He just showed up middle of the day Bright as the noonday sun, Jesus showed up to claim that which was his. I'm going to tell you, you own that, my brother and my sister, that you are a representative of the one who has all authority. You are the representative of the one who has created everything down to the molecular level. He has the right to claim that which he has created and that which he created for his own glory when he chooses to do it, and he invites you and me, to participate in the process by standing there, looking into that face, and just speaking the name of Jesus. Jesus, all that you want for him is what I'm asking you to do. Everything you have a right to do, I'm asking you for that right now. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Listen, you let the reality of what the Scripture reveals Jesus to be, settle in on you, move in on your heart, and realize that that is the one, He is the one who bought you with His precious blood, who chose you as His own because He saw great treasure in you and delight in you. And you realize that He has positioned you in family lines. He's positioned you in companies. He's positioned you in classrooms. He's positioned you with the people that you know because he intends to use you to call forth the glory and the authority and the power of his name to rescue, to set free, to bring an abundance of life, to bring joy and hope and a future with those who may be right now messed up and confused and broken. It simplifies your prayer. You don't have to tell the Lord or ask the Lord. Feel like you got to know enough from the Lord. Well, God, you need to do this to get their attention. Oh God, you better you bring this into their life. Oh God, you you know they're, they're just so hard. It may just take for you may just have to about destroy them in order to get their To you, you don't you don't have to do any of that when you speak over and you speak into those lives the name of Jesus. Hebrews picks up on the same thing. It's consistent in the Scripture. The first chapter, book of Hebrews, chapter 1, verse 2, in these last days, he has spoken to us in his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. And he, Jesus, is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature, of God's nature. And he upholds all things by the word of his power. Now that brings up something else. It's not only did he create, cause to come into being every human, everything that would be considered the material realm or even the invisible realm. Not only did he create it, But the scripture makes it very clear, he is the one who sustains it. Colossians 1 will say, in him all things hold together. The same one who called forth the molecules to form a person has the authority to say to those same molecules, I'm done with you, no longer needed, and that entity which he created would vaporize. In him, all things hold together. When you have that as a treasure in your heart, and you understand that you're an ambassador of that one, you step into situations unafraid, unintimidated, not moved by the greats and the near greats who seem to hold the earthly authority in the realm that you're involved in. Because you understand, they couldn't suck air if Jesus hadn't given them the ability. They wouldn't be able to plan on tomorrow unless Jesus caused the molecules forming the structure in their body to stay together. At any point in time, he could let go. But he doesn't. Why? Why? He is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Second Peter three nine. I came, he says, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. Folks, I'm telling you, if Satan can prevent this level of truth from penetrating our awarenesses, if he can get us distracted on the lesser things and other things then he has a way of causing the church in effect to almost be sterile but when this drops 18 inches there is no name higher than the name Jesus or equal to the name Jesus Jesus has the right to invade the privacies of his creation because they are his creation And they would not be able to own another day, another hour, another second, unless he, by his grace and mercy, caused their lives to hold together. When I step into a situation, when he leads me into a situation, and there may be godlessness, and there may be cursing, and there may be all kinds of junk going on, but I understand that I am there by design. Looking at the people I'm looking at. Listening to the things I'm having to hear or have had to hear over these years. But I understand. I understand who really is in charge. I understand who really owns the day. And it's the one who can't be seen. But it's the one who has revealed to me who he is. When I speak his name, when you speak his name, you invite his presence into that room. You welcome the one who has all authority to make what is wrong right, to set captives free, and on and on. You invite him, you welcome him, you embrace him into that situation. I want to double dog dare you. That's biblical from somewhere I'm not sure. To do this, you sit in a place, you sit in a place and it's profane or it's so secular or it's so politically correct, you can't mention the name Jesus out loud. I dare you. Read back through these verses before you go to the meeting. Embrace the word of God as true. Lord, I may not fully understand it but your spirit is convincing me that it is true, that there is no other name like the name Jesus. And Lord, you have all authority right here. And I'm going to sit here in my chair or stand up on the other side of the room, but I'm going to speak your name, Jesus, 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 all the way through somebody talking. All the way through the conducting of business, all the way through whatever's going on, just speak his name and speak his name and speak his name and speak his name. Speak his name. I could almost guarantee you something will break in the spirit realm. The demons here, the angels here, the Spirit of God hears, Satan himself hears the language of the Spirit, not just things that are having to be done with audible sound waves. Jesus, 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 Jesus. I tell you, there are men right now, there are women right now who are embracing this opportunity and this challenge. They realized they couldn't say certain things in certain settings for fear of being misunderstood, taken out of context, whatever. But just because you you don't say it audibly doesn't mean you ain't saying it. Just because it's not going out in the sound waves out there doesn't mean your heart is not engaged with the truth of that statement. Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. Okay. So, so what does that mean when you do that? What, 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 is, what does that mean when you speak the name of Jesus? I'm going to give you three things. Three things it means to heaven. And that's really the only direction we want to be approving, finding approval, is this way. It's a compliment when the devil hates you. It, it, it's an boy when the devil and his crowd think you're a jerk. You win them by love, you win them by kindness, but you don't listen to their conclusion. They're headed straight to hell and they don't even know it. But their rejection of Jesus, their refusal to honor the things of God, just marks it. Unless they turn, they will burn, the scripture will say. Now, that's another little statement that's not real politically correct. I know how could there be a hell? Hell is the perfect expression of God honoring the free will of man or woman. Hell is a place absent of any of the goodness of God. It's a perfect vacuum because that is what folks can live their lives and not want anything of God. So the Lord gives. He allows just what ones pursue to their death to have for eternity. Heaven, on the other hand, is the perfect vacuum of evil. It's the absence of evil. It's where everything is filled with the presence of God. If you hated Him down here, you would really hate Him up there. So the Lord honors the free will and the choice of people. You don't want anything to do with God? Then here's an eternity without anything of God. But you want to know His mercy. You want to know his love. You want to know his forgiveness. You want to know his kindness. Then you receive Jesus Christ and Jesus would say, in my Father's house, there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you so that where I am, there you may be also. Amen. But if you hated Jesus here, what makes you think all of a sudden you're going to love him in heaven? Say this back to somebody in some discussion when it comes up. Hell is the perfect expression of God honoring the free will of man. You choose. You choose. Heaven or hell. And Jesus is in the balance. He. How how do you miss hell and make heaven? You just choose the one who has the name that's above every other name. You choose the one who went to the cross to die in your place so that you and I could be forgiven. Now, where was I? What does this say? What does it say to heaven? It says three things to heaven when you speak the name Jesus. You speak the name over and into souls, situations, and dreams. Souls situations, and dreams. When you speak the name Jesus over and into them, it says these three things. First, it says that you are believing. Hebrews eleven six. 6, without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, she is, that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You're believing when you speak the name Jesus. What, what, does, it, what does the word faith mean? What, what does it mean to believe? The, the, the New Testament understanding of that is this if you believe in something or somebody, It means that you have come to be persuaded. Persuaded. You have come to be convinced of the truth regarding that person or thing. It it means that something had to happen that resulted in you having the ability to believe. To, To believe is a result. It's not the prime mover. To believe means... That God has done the work to convince me of what is true. When the Apostle Paul, or excuse me, when when it was written in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, but you shall receive power. After that the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses, it goes on to say. The power had to have had something to do with the work of the Spirit convincing the early church of who Jesus Christ really was. Convincing the early church that it really was his name that is now above every other name. You see in the book of Acts repeatedly, starts in Acts 3, silver and gold have I none, you remember? But what I do have I give to you. This had never been spoken before until this time. After Pentecost, silver and gold have I none, but whatever I have, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. There had come to be embedded and living in the hearts of Peter and John and the other church that this this Jesus now indeed had been invested with the most powerful name because he is the most powerful person in the universe. That's the only way they could have put up with the stuff they put up with. Endured the things that they endured at the hands of the Jewish people, at the hands of the Romans, because they understood that ultimately the Jewish religious system was not in charge. That ultimately the Romans were not in charge. That ultimately the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, Jesus, the name that is above every other name, he was in charge. And they entrusted their souls to him because they had been convinced. They had been persuaded of who he is. Folks, I want to encourage you to step into that place of prayer. Lord, I can have a hard time. I can get bumped around, knocked around by powerful people. Situations can emerge and it can worry me, scare me, intimidate me. Lord, if that is because somehow, some way, it hadn't dropped eighteen inches in my heart, and it's not working as it ought to in my heart, that you are in charge. That every circumstance ultimately will answer to you. That every person belongs to you in the truest sense, because of creation. That your name is above every name, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, Lord. Persuade me of that. Do that work by your spirit to convince me of that all over again. That you are indeed the creator. You are indeed the sustainer. And you are indeed the savior. Folks, here's, 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 here's you look look at the people on your list. They may pride themselves in the fact that they're self-made or they're self-destroyed. That, 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 that they are that they are in a in, in some sort of, a, of, of an incubator or protected something that, that no one really can get to. That is a lie. The one who has all authority has the ability to penetrate whatever is isolating them from reality any time he chooses to do it. He can do it whether they invite him in or not because he loves and he cares and he wants to rescue. So when he puts someone like that, someone in your heart, understand that it must be because God on the other end is intending to set that captive free. He has you and me down here on this earth, which brings up the second part of this. Not only are we believing but we're agreeing when we speak the name Jesus. If we understand that he has all authority, if we understand that he's the creator, the sustainer, then who are we to tell him what to do? Who are we to say, God, you can't do that? If I come under his authority, then what I am doing is I'm agreeing with what he wants done. Listen, God has some of you in families that have been wretched in family lines as far back as you know. Then you came along. Jesus in you. And his heart through you is to be in that place of agreeing with him with the same last name and the same blood genetics and the same behavioral code and so forth that you grew up with. Not so that, that you would just be one more casualty in the long line of casualty. He has you there because it is his intention to set an entire family line free. To break the curses of the fathers and the grandfathers and on and on and on. To set captives free. You are positioned there and as you speak the name Jesus, it's not the name Catholic, it's not the name Virgin Mary, it's not the name Apostle Paul, it's not the name Baptist, it's not the name Protestant, it's the name Jesus. And in the name of Jesus, you're agreeing with what he wants for your family. He has you there strategically, and it's impossible for me to put into words how important you are, my brother my sister. Satan knows who you are. Satan knows your name. And, And he tries to shut you down, tries to discourage you. Don't listen. Don't pay any attention. Lord, fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your spirit. Remind me of who you are. And I hold on to what the Scripture says about you, Jesus. And I have been convinced that you are my Savior. And I've bowed before you as my Lord. And I'm in this family line. I'm in this company. I'm on this team. I'm in this school. I'm I'm wherever I am. And here's what I'm You poke me, and the name Jesus comes out. You, You catch me from behind, and I'll turn around and speak the name Jesus in your face. You poke me, and Jesus comes out. You give me time, and the time I'm spending is just praying, speaking the name of Jesus over the whole shooting match. I dare you. I dare you to do that. To sit in a room, sit in the places where you've been assigned, where you have to be, to yourself quietly, but to heaven, you speak his name. You speak his name, and then you speak his name some more, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, what you want. Jesus, your will, not mine. Jesus, 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 Jesus. It's probably about this point where in the last service, the, the Internet just freaked out. and They can't handle the name Jesus because there's authority, there's power, but there's also victory and freedom over Satan's lies. Satan doesn't want you to speak his name because he wants to keep the captives captive. You say devil, 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 no problem with that. Satan, 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 Satan. But you speak the name Jesus. With your tongue, you just go ahead. I'm not going to wait till I have to, Lord. I'm ready to do it now. My tongue is ready to confess. Watch my tongue move and confess the name of Jesus. Some of y'all are looking at me like the man has gone stark graven mad. I have. It's the truth. There is no greater name. There is no more powerful word you can ever speak. Own it, church. Own it, Christian. Own it. Jesus. 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 All right, the last one. What this says is, to says to the Lord, you're believing. I'm believing. I've been persuaded. I've been convinced. And it's all about you, Lord. You're the creator. You're the sustainer. You're my savior. It's Saying you're agreeing. I'm agreeing with you, Lord. I'm agreeing with you as I speak the name, Jesus. The last one is. It says you're standing. It says you're standing. Now you, it, the context for this section of Ephesians 6 is prayer. There's a problem with the longest sections on what prayer may cost you and what you and I may need to do or will need to do in the place of prayer of any place in Scripture. Ephesians chapter 6. I want you to find it. Brothers and sisters out yonder, find Ephesians 6. In your copy of the scripture, I want to read it and then just briefly comment. Verse 10, Ephesians 6, verse 10. Finally, Paul writes, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. That means the devil's thinking, the devil's plotting, the devil's scheming. It's not going to be one size fits all. He'll watch your family line. He'll watch where you go to school. He'll watch those things, and on the basis of what he sees works, he will apply that scheme to you to try to discourage, to distract. In order to be able to stand against the schemes of the enemy, we need this full armor of God. Then he says in verse 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. The name's on your list. Your fight is not with them. If you hadn't gotten that that clear, you back up, back up away and sit down a minute and think about it. Say, Lord, show me. Even though they've said things, done things, ignored things, hurt, plotted, are you saying that the battle that I have with them is really not with them? Which is exactly what the scripture is saying. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it is against the rulers and the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. That's the pecking order of demonic forces the outlay of Satan's invisible army arrayed against the church. Therefore, since we're not fighting flesh and blood, our real struggle is with the ones who are pushing the flesh and blood. The world forces of darkness are the ones giving the ideas, stoking the fires, creating the passions in a sense in the minds and hearts of the flesh and blood people we see. So we can spend all our time trying to shackle or straitjacket flesh and blood things to get them to behave, and the minute they get out of the shackles, they go back to the same old thing because the source of the problem hasn't been addressed. They were being pushed. They were being driven in a very real sense. The enemy, yes, has a friend in the flesh in all of us. There's a part of us that will listen to the devil and that we have to be aware of. But he's saying that the real source of the struggle isn't flesh and blood. Verse 13, therefore, take up the full armor of God that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Resist by not giving in to the lies. Resist by refuting the lies as as they come to you, as you have opportunity. But you resist in the strength of the Lord. But then it says, having done everything. Having done everything that you can do, here's the one thing that you must be sure you will do. You stand. You stand. You stand. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth this is, these are all images of how we're dressed in Christ. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. We have been given the righteousness of Jesus, not just the forgiveness of our sins, but the further bestowal of his grace is that he credited to our account before God his righteousness. We, we, we didn't keep, we have not kept all the commands of the law, but Jesus kept all the commands of the law. So not only did he forgive us of our sins, but he took away the guilt of our sins and put in his in the place of those things all the places where he obeyed the law. It's called imputed righteousness, the right standing with Jesus before God before because of his proper his right his holy behavior in the flesh. That is bequeathed to us. That not just forgiven but I stand before the Lord clothed in the rightness of Jesus Christ. Can you believe that? You talk about good news. It's not just having the, the record forgiven, the, 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 the penalty paid, but it's not only as if the record didn't, didn't wasn't there. It, it, it's that now I have this, this whole stash of, of, of right standing with God based upon what Jesus did in his earthly life. Independent of the cross, he lived a righteous life before the Lord, kept every commandment, didn't break a one, and he, after his death and resurrection, he bequeathed that to me. <laughs> uh, y'all hadn't gotten that. You just need to think on it a little bit. But that will also make your boots roll up. No, your boots. But your socks roll up and down inside your boots. Not only did he forgive me, but he is credited to my account, my account his righteousness. So he says, Continuing, verse 15, having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, we receive Jesus, we stand in that. And then in addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming missiles of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And then he goes on to say, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. and pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in proclaiming it the gospel, I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. to go back to that place of standing. Take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Told you early on, Jesus is the Word of God, the big word, logos. For Everything God would say, he says it in Jesus. That's logos. But there was another word, and it's this word used here, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It's a different Greek word. This word, instead of meaning the whole of Scripture, this means a specific, a specific reference, a specific verse or two or three or four, that you have been persuaded is true for you. We don't doubt that the whole of Scripture is true, but this is speaking of something. It's, you get it in your hand, the only offensive weapon that is listed in all of this armor for the Christian is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. What is the sword of the Spirit? The sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. Does that mean I'm going to be beating the devil up with a great big Bible? No. The devil can quote more Scripture than you can. When Jesus, in the 40 days, answered out of Deuteronomy, every time the enemy challenged him, eventually Satan realized, well, he's just talking Bible back to me. I'll quote Scripture to him. And he did. And Jesus refuted him. From the book of Deuteronomy again, Satan knows the Bible better than you do. It's not talking about, well, I'll just take the Bible. I'll just lay Bibles. Across. No. This means that there is a word. Listen. There is a word. There is a promise. There is something that the Lord by his spirit has convinced you is true about you and about him. And in the place of standing, the shield of faith that those other things that I have been persuaded are true about God and about me and his standing. And then I lay hold of, I pick up and take as a sword, as an offensive weapon to thrust against the enemy and his assaults, promises, truths, words, phrases, whatever it is be would be that you know is true that God has written across your heart. And you, he says, and having done everything, you stand there with your shield up. You stand there with your sword drawn, and don't you budge. You stay there in that place, shield of faith up, sword of the Spirit drawn, and you keep proclaiming the name of Jesus, keep speaking the name of Jesus, keep agreeing with the heart of God, keep acknowledging who he is, and stand and stand and stand and stand some more. Now, if I'm preaching, if I'm talking to some sissy Christians in this room this morning, sissies, you want everything easy, you want everything made to order, you want to find somebody, some preacher who will tell you how to get rid of all your hassles and get all your money and get it done now, then we have both wasted our time. You step into the calling of God upon your life to rescue the perishing, to care for the dying, to snatch them in pity from hell and the grave. You embrace the name Jesus. You follow Jesus into the place where he assigns you, and hell will know your name, but heaven will applaud your work. You make the choice. Sissy, baby American Christianity are what Jesus says. You take up your cross and follow me. I'll show you things. I'll do more with you than you could ever imagine. But you'll know it was me. You'll know it was me. You'll know that I am the one who has the name that is above every other name. And you'll know that the day will come when every knee will bow. And every tongue in Washington, in Russia, pick your poison. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Don't wait until then. You hold that up. You, 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 you take up that calling. And wherever he plants you, with whoever you're around, you speak the name. You speak the name. I, I love this story, and I'm going to quit here. Years and years and years and years ago, Was a young man from Mississippi who felt the call of God, God telling him, build a cross and carry the cross across the country. His name was Arthur Blessed. And he did that. The Jesus movement was kind of beginning in those days, but Arthur was just still kind of thought of as a freak. The story is told, and one he, felt, he felt led to, to go to Hollywood and start a coffee house out there, a Christian place to stand in the middle of all that was going on there. They, they turned down his, his rent application or his attempt to get there. Some of them were trying to come in and close the deal. <laughs> so he took his cross that he'd carried across the country. And he chained it to a utility pole at the corner. Climbed up on the cross and chained himself to the cross. And he said, I'm not going. The Lord put me here. God told me this is where I'm supposed to be. It was in the club section. So they'd be coming out. It was a guy named Barry McGuire who was a singer with the New Christian Christie Minstrels during that time. He came out of a club, drunk out of his mind, stumbling along, and he looks up and he sees Arthur hanging from the cross. And through the slurred speech, he says, What's up? Later, he said, Arthur looked down into my face and he said, Jesus. And that was it. Jesus. This rock and roll musician, known and so forth, walked away from there with the name. Burning, he said, in his chest. He couldn't shake the name and he couldn't shake the picture of the guy from across. The rest of the story is that he came to know Jesus as his Savior and Lord and became a Christian singer, songwriter, kind of a folk hero in those days in the Jesus movement. All because of a guy doing what looked to be foolish, stupid, crazy, bizarre. And one word from that man's lips to this man's heart Jesus. Jesus. Lord, wherever you want to take this with us, we ask you to take it. Whatever you're wanting to show us, please show us. Come, Holy Spirit, heavenly dove, with all thy quickening power, as the old song says. Fill us, Lord, with your Spirit. Convince us. Convince us. Persuade us, Lord, by your Spirit of the name Jesus. Don't let us be able to shake this. Don't let us be able to go off and have lunch and take a big nap this afternoon and and wake up Tuesday and, and, and not remember it. Lord, make this portable. Cause this to burn in our hearts, please. Your name. Your name. Your name, Jesus. We pray. Amen. 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 (laughs) Prayer partners, if you'll come this way and join me, please. He's doing some things. Things are being stirred up. Some powerful things are going on because you pray. Stand keep believing, keep speaking his name, and we will see what the Lord will do. Amen. You are a wonderful group. You are a blessing to see every Sunday. You are a blessing to speak to and have the joy of having fellowship with. And you are loved, and you are respected, and you are appreciated for who you are in Christ. May the Lord bless you this afternoon and keep you. May he lift up his countenance upon you, give you peace. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit, amen.